0: Weird Things is brought to you by Patreon.com slash Weird Support the show.
1: Hello and welcome to the Weird Things podcast. I'm Adermaine, joined by Brian Brushwood. Hello, hello. Justin Robert Young. Well, hi. And Mr. Price Castillo. Oh, hello, everybody. So let's talk a bit about rockets. Uh, Aside from SpaceX, which we'll talk about in a second, Mm -hmm. ULA, United Launch Alliance, which has been getting ready to test their Vulcan rocket, which is going to be a very uh, very powerful rocket, very highly capable, powered by first-stage engines, which were built by Blue Origin. And a month ago, they put the center stage on the test stand and had a little bit of a splody sort of event.
0: Ah, uh, that'll happen. Oh, good oh, lord! I, we're we're yeah, seeing the video I, I, I
2: right miss, now. Missed this one.
3: Yeah. The headline: so, They oh, launch a the One there likely in jeopardy after dramatic explosion on test stand. Wow.
1: Yeah. This is not the one that they plan to launch on May fourth. Let's make that clear. Thank goodness. And uh, this was another center stage unit, same similar to the one that's on the test stand. They were hoping for a May fourth launch for the actual rocket, which would be exciting because it just adds more capability to getting to space. Uh, remains to be seen. Are they going to say, "Hey, let's just make sure that what happened here was not a thing that's going to be an issue"? This is a rocket. This is this test article they use to test it. Basically, the center stage. They test it a lot, and so it's one of these things. It's gone through tons of stress tests. People say they've gone through way more than it would actually go through. You know, if it was ever to be used in flight, because okay, guess what? It's not reusable. So it just gets used once. Uh, but they're saying eh, it, it may be fine because it may have just been from so much testing that it had that issue. Which okay, but if the explosion wasn't intended, we'll see.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it, it's it's crazy how things get recontextualized because there was a period, I, I think, probably not even that long ago, when when
2: our, our favorite thing was watching SpaceX things explode.
0: <laughs> well, also that that it was looked at in kind of a different way, where like I, I look at that and I'm like, wow, that's a that's a hell of a gif that we get to see a gigantic explosion. Uh, but at the same time, I it, it does not really affect my long term thoughts uh, on. ULA or what they're going to do in the way that I think it probably would have five years ago. And it certainly would have 10 years ago. But now we've just seen so much of this process that uh, it, it does not really affect my priors. Now I have other priors when it comes to ULA. I have other priors when it comes to some of that stuff, but, but uh, a gigantic thunderous explosion does not affect my decision-making in in the same way it might have.
3: Uh, so it, it uh, yeah. How, how bad is how, how much does an explosion like this put them back? Do they need to do this test again? Do they need to make a new chassis?
1: Do they need to make a new thing? I don't know. They they, they may determine that the the that they're well within the norms of what they need for uh, a regular orbital launch, and this was just as because this thing had been you know, pressurized so many times that it caused a stress fractures that wouldn't apply in working conditions. I really don't know, uh, but I, right. there is a pathway forward where they might say, yeah, we need another two week delay to make sure this doesn't affect the other system. Cause there's, they could say like, yeah, there's no design flaw. We already exceeded what we expected. The tolerances, which, you know, happened to the shuttle too. So let's, let's forget about that. But, uh, it is very different from SpaceX's plan. Like SpaceX is like, one, we'll build a rough prototype to make sure this thing works. Then we're going to build an assembly line to keep making these things. And then we'll iterate, we'll work on the assembly line so we can improve it. So that's why we've watched the hopper and the starship and the different, all that, you know, they were doing Remember, We were watching starship fly two years ago, you know, we yeah. watched this thing go up and then, you know, go down. And now with the launch, I think tentatively scheduled for next week, pending uh, FAA approval, They say SpaceX is they're ready to go, uh, pending that this thing might explode over the Gulf of Mexico. And it won't be like for SpaceX, I can be like, oh, man, what do we do? Because like literally the next one is being wheeled out onto the launch pad. (laughs) So it's 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 not like, you know, they blow up their one. That was it. We don't have any more. They literally I, built a factory to produce these things.
2: I, I think it was about a year ago that we discovered the uh, reported fact, whether or not it's true or not, that they were essentially making a full Starship every other week. And we were just astonished about that capacity compared to Boeing or whatever. Like, I, I, if anybody out there knows how many Starships there are, uh, I would be fascinated to wrap it my mind the engine, around
1: It was the engine. It was the they're not producing starships every other week. It was the engines. Got it. So they, they're increasing the rate of the engines. As far as the starships, yeah, you can go do the tracker. You can see that there's like a half dozen right now in various stages and stuff. Well, the ones they've used before, but uh, the engines are the one. And but it's a very different, much less. Com- I when I say my, I don't want to be like it's not that hard. It's real simple. But it is a much less complex thing than building like a Boeing because you know a Boeing is. It's engines, it's flight systems. There's our flight systems here, but there's, you know, a lot of other things that go into it. And that was part of why Elon Musk looks at this as a way forward is that they've reduced the complexity of these things considerably from aircraft. Except for the fact it's got like 30 friggin' engines below it. Mm. But do we, uh, what is, but in a word where like
3: we're doing commuting, more spaceship commuting, do we still keep this like launch? style launch or do we move into more of an uh i mean w- we have an, an incredible aeronautics industry with airplanes and runways um will we need spaceports now alongside airports and seaports
2: Ooh, that's not bad uh, that's the-
0: yeah that, that's the idea right i mean like they, they showed a bunch of uh spacex had like that whole uh, uh futuristic uh, version of of travel where it would actually be you know for humans to do travel across the globe in in various different uh super speedy uh ways but but yeah i think that that that's that's definitely the idea now obviously launching in in a different way and it would probably be further away from the, the mass clusters of of, of humanity than, than an airport would be but i think certainly it's it's a it's something that is coming.
2: Well, uh, th- this is one of the things that uh, in the book, uh, uh, Where's My Flying Car? Uh, they refer to as the uh, two vehicle pr- or three vehicle problem, because right now what you do is you get into one vehicle at your house. You drive mm-hmm. so that you can wait in line and pack your bags and, and get inspected and then hop on a second vehicle so that you can land and then rent a car on a third vehicle to actually make it to your destination. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, I suspect that. They're probably not going to upend that. It's not like you'll be able to land a, a spacecraft you know, at, at, at your ranch in Montana or something. So so for for the short term, I would imagine. Screw you,
0: Brian.
3: So. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're not telling me what I no, can't the one, do. The one, the one place that they will definitely be landing spaceships will be at a ranch in Montana.
3: Maybe maybe we get into uh, 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 maybe we get into like transport it. People getting into like parachuting. People learning parachuting just so that they can get directly to their spot.
0: I I I really wish that Succession was continuing for long enough that at some point the siblings are bickering (laughs) while descending out of a rocket that's landed on their private property.
1: Have you got the best heat shields? I got the better heat shields
3: than this one. You got the worst heat shields.
1: I, I met an entrepreneur or I met a VC who said he was investing in some guy that was looking into building a thing where they would use drones to pick you up in a city and move from part to part, like just hang you from like, and I'm like, has this guy ever seen anything hung from a helicopter suspended from this guy? I have any idea how the physics of that work, you know, because it was just like, <laughs> we don't have the drone lower down. We just put a cable that picks you up and then we lift you up in the cable. What What could go wrong? It's like, well. Oscillation. Let's see. Yeah, three hundred and sixty ah. degrees. Although, although of I would, I would
0: love to see the world in which various different for like a four month period in SF, just a bunch of nerds with hooks, like big big hooks on their backs, <laughs> so they can
1: get picked up by the uh, the, the the crane loop. The smash between you know the, the buildings in downtown SF. Uh, so, to your point, Brian, I think we're going to see in travel the the encroachment's going to happen from either end really really long distance travel where you know you're you're not going to hop in a starship to go from LA to Las Vegas that would be you know a waste you might hop into an electric aircraft that's completely uh, you know piloted by a robot or a minimal you know our minimally trained pilot who's there to hand you snacks whatever but i could see like that sort of short range we use jsx for whatever i could see that short range stuff be replaced by autonomous you know robotic aircraft which then you get rid of the cost for the flight crews, et cetera. So then you open up a lot of regional stuff. You know, I live in Northern California and there's a lot of great places for to build out here, but a lot of people have to work in the city and that's the big limiting factor. And that's why you see Uber and other companies talk about trying to develop that kind of transport because if they're like, oh, you can live a hundred miles outside SF, go to neighborhood heliport and or a VTOL port port and hop on a thing and fly into the city in 30 minutes, uh, that would be, you could charge a lot for that. The other end is like, oh, you know, you want to go from Austin, Texas to Japan. Well, we can get you there in 90 minutes if you're on board Starship. Mm. And that's doable. So I think you'll see, I'll see, I think you may see, I'm not convinced yet, rockets for long distance travel. And I think like a lot of electric low cost stuff for shorter range.
0: Because at that point, it's like, all right, is it worth going to Houston? We're, we're in Austin, which is about three hours and change from either Houston or Dallas. Mm-hmm. Would it be worth it to drive to one of those places or someplace in, in the, the the great hinterlands of, of uh, uh, West Texas to get on a, 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 a rocket that gets you to Tokyo in, in 90 minutes? Like, well, uh, almost assuredly, you were definitely saving time on what the plane flight would be no matter what.
2: We're already at the part due to regulation and just the cluginess of uh, uh, the multiple vehicle problem. Like it's about the same amount of time to drive right now to Dallas as it is to, book the very next flight and make it out there and then go through the security lines and then get in on the plane and land i, I
3: don't know it's i never bought that i mean we're talking I, about a go, three hour a yeah. three hour time period right getting but the difference is, for is one the of them ticket. you get
2: to go to the bar uh, at the airport
3: yeah. and one of them you're driving because the roads one of are them always one of them you have to gamble on waco
2: well oh yeah the Waco problem, notwithstanding <laughs> the, <laughs> the traveling them, Waco problem,
0: one of them, we had a gamble
2: on Waco.
3: I don't like gambling on Waco because Waco always comes up snake eyes for me. <laughs> it would be neat if we had. Um, it would be neat if we had a middle ground, though, somewhere that is lower than going up to space or or low Earth orbit or what have you, um, but but higher than plan- some sort of little jump point where you just boing. I guess I'm what describing. What the hell are you talking I'm about? I'm describing speed racers like cartoon <laughs> devices just... at this point. Can we have that? A jump point Boeing yeah. is
0: your technical specs for what you would like. It's something between a uh-huh. a,
3: a, a flight and a, a rocket. Okay, trip. just imagine. Okay, just imagine this. All right, so you got your, whatever your vehicle looks like. Buckle you're, up, kids. You're on the runway. It moves into position rah, onto a little big red X painted on the ground. Uh, by hand and then uh, and then they play the smoke then a little fog you know some lights and fog like get ready for the th-. and then they just throw you out and then you're in Dallas Wait, or then is, you're it, in Japan
0: I have no idea what the hell he's talking about
1: uh, I I imagine some Fisher Price airplane where you just the people get ejected I mean, you know what? I'm
0: willing- I, 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 my, my brain shut off
3: at boy, oi, 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 oing. That was the most critical part. <laughs> well, I, 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 uh, to be honest. But uh, ultimately, I think there's something between airplanes and a Raptor engine, I, I imagine.
2: I mean, the answer is uh, there's a missing uh, link. Uh, coffin pods that are shipped by train. Okay. Where you lay okay. down and then you sleep and then you wake
3: up. That would be interesting slow travel like i don't care how long i get there but i want
2: it it would be fast travel yeah we talked we talked about this
3: yeah it's
1: it's no
0: i'm here for a rocket put me on a rocket get me to tokyo in 90 minutes i'm i'm with it
1: i'm and i'm still optimistic that we'll figure out hyperloop stuff you know that that i'm i'm gonna give you my case for extreme enthusiasm about a lot of things um Some of you may know, I work for a company that's involved in technology. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of these technologies uh, can accelerate how quickly you can do things or find out things and do everything from, you know, writing poems to solving complex engineering. I think that we're going to see in the next year, over the next year or so, you're going to start to see really cool tools come out from CAD to all sorts of other things that allow people to design things faster and iterate really much more quickly. That I think a lot of things that we know are, are physically possible, but engineering challenges may become much more solvable.
0: That's interesting. I mean, I the, do think that we're, we're, we're going to hit a, a great escalation of, uh, of, of, of what can be done, not only because of the tools, with, which will play a gigantic part of it, but also where... If I mean, certainly, in technology, we are going into a bit of a winter period where this is traditionally when a lot of scrappy just go, 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 don't worry about you know uh uh whether or not this is going to be able to sell to Google, like just build uh, uh this is this is the period when that happens, and I do think that the the coincidence of both of these things happening at the same time would not be shocked if we see a lot of innovation over the next five years.
2: Yeah, my, my reservations with Hyperloop have never been about the technology or the physics or the engineering. They've always been about the regulation and about the eminent domain issues. Like it just seems like you're going to have so many old prospectors coming out from caves that, you know, they've been in since 1862 <laughs> saying, "My my property."
0: No. Well, that was the idea with the initial Hyperloop thing for SF to LA was that they would put it alongside High-speed Route ramp. 5. Uh, so it would be government-owned property the in, whole in way. right-of-way, yeah. Yeah, so it's like you wouldn't... Because that's the problem with train stuff now. Like, it's just, you do. You have those old prospectors that are like... I've I have lived, property. I lived in a cave my entire <laughs> life. I'm
3: going to find all the gold in those hills before you go in and get my gold.
0: I'm going to demand one Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And, you know, we've seen the, you know, the, they've got the Las Vegas one. um, And that certainly, you know, that was everybody was kind of incentivized because they knew that whenever they have conventions trying to move people around. So they built their, you know, again, it's a hybrid, it's a tunnel. They built a tunnel for cars, but they're able to build a tunnel probably much, much more cheaply than they would have been able to have do it previously. And I think that that's the core thing about the hyperloop. What you put in there isn't as important as having the technology that can build add more, you know, roads underground to get from point A to point B because also when you have that, you have a lot of you have a lot of other cool capacities and things like that that come out like uh, you know, storage and warehouses and reducing the footprint of your city considerably if you can keep going down, but I do think that from an engineering point of view, if we do considerably lower the cost, whatever of tunneling, that that does become a bigger option because like, yeah, it's, it's the least intrusive of all of the different ways. Yeah. You know, we talked about in Florida, their solutions, we'll just have trains go faster, <laughs> you know, on tracks and rights of ways that were not intended for trains that were really friggin' fast. Those of you don't know the yeah. Florida death train is death what the train. nickname has been for the bright Line uh somebody pointed out the molar skycar man uh, what a tease that's been for all of our lives Forever.
2: uh well especially yeah. because like the molar skycar from what i remember last time i paid attention to it and and keep in mind this is 20 24 years i've been looking at various iterations of this but but the worst part about it is that it appears to work but it's just unacceptably loud <laughs> and 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 unacceptably wobbly and stuff uh but but like no it's it's imagine a jet engine just over your neighborhood at all times
3: isn't it a good sign when their youtube videos are uh uh in four by three before youtube made everything widescreen
1: (laughs) it it look look like canadian public television from
3: 1984
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah 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 uh one day one day um Well, here's something that can happen right now. Your ability to go to patreon.com slash weird things, patreon.com slash weird things. It's not just a website. It's not just a way that you can support this show. In many ways, it's a way of life. Make your things weird with a early access to our after things podcast, as well as the self-satisfaction that you will have knowing that you continue to financially support this show. Head on over there right now, patreoncom slash thing.
2: Truly, the Muller M400
1: SkyCar of podcasts.
0: I mean, not to, I. We we, we deliver. deliver. We deliver. Uh,
1: some we deliver. Somebody we said deliver. most of these projects just keep reinventing public transportation. That's not. It's. It's not reinventing public transportation. The problem for many of it is the engineering. Is that if roads cost you a million dollars per quarter mile or whatever it's really expensive to build roads and property rights it's not a matter of saying well we already figured it out like no we didn't we don't know how to bore through a rock really inexpensively to not cost billions of dollars to try to provide you know infrastructure in cities that's the challenge the hard part is it isn't like hey well, transportation is a cool idea well yeah but
0: also all innovation you know, is just reinventing quote unquote another thing <laughs>
3: like okay yeah, what if, okay, yeah. what if we took like, a bus and we put a clock radio in it Clock radio you bus. Just
1: reinventing. Clock radio well, bus. no, it's, it's like, it's like uh. hey, we have a cable car. What if we have a bus that we don't have to put cable car routes places where we don't have You're them? just reinventing you're the reinventing. cable
0: car. You're just reinventing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the Elizabeth homeboy. Sorry. <laughs>
1: you're just reinventing blood. Yeah. You're just reinventing I'm blood. I'm such an idiot. I didn't, I didn't know why they were called cable cars until I was standing in San Francisco, and I heard that under the yeah. ground. I down and I saw the cable. Like, oh, really? Oh, Literally a cable pulling this thing through the city. Oh, (laughs) that's the Romans could have built this thing. Like Uh this is just (laughs) okay.
3: Yeah. Oh, be a dudes
1: like pushing (laughs) the you know the the crank. But
0: yeah, there's the there's the spot down uh, down in Union Square where they like they turn it turn it around. Mm -hmm. It's fun time.
1: All right. So next week, next week, Mm -hmm. SpaceX is supposed to be trying to launch Starship. And if they reach, we've got two pies, two
0: pies on the line. What was our deadline again?
1: Brian has to do do the dunk take filled with gasoline. What? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty sure that was the agreement. Pretty sure that was it. Uh, Our Uh, deadline was by the end of the month, right? Yes. Yes. All
3: right. Well, how is it looking uh, given that there's only two weeks left in the month, Andrew?
1: FAA authorization could come through at any time, and SpaceX says they're ready to go.
3: Uh, some uh, headline here: Star sh- SpaceX Starship signs on pad ahead of first orbital launch. This was a day ago. Now, uh, is that. it is it actually going to complete
2: a full orbit in order to be an orbital launch, no, or is it gonna, just
1: going to get high it's, enough it's that it's not, it could it's be an orbit? It just has to go to space. It's going to go high enough that it would just it's going to like go land off the coast of Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that they're not. I don't know that they're trying. There's a new video up on spacex.com, though, if you want to check out, like, their new, like, what, what, what a space mission would look like. And it's kind of cool. And you can see what the finished tower is going to look like. They they love their lighting. They love their lighting on these towers. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a it's good investment. They know that golden hour. Yep. So, I... Brian, how you here's, feeling? Here's...
2: Yeah. Oh, how, about, how are you? about my bet? Because you, you could...
0: You... Look, man. You had a win in hand yeah, and you decided to push your luck, my friend.
2: That's how much I love charity is, is that I want to see double the charity. And if there's double the pies to Andrew's face, then so be it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but the neat, neat thing about double or nothing is,
1: you know what I lose? If I lose, Nothing. Nothing. I get to punch you and the testicles as many times as I want. Right, arm I discard. don't remember that being part of it. I might be uh, a side uh, bet. Pretty yeah. sure it was the sub, it was kind of a standard kind of clause. It was just sort of <laughs> unspoken. Yeah, it was sort of like the standard. Yeah.
0: Now, meanwhile, yeah. Andrew, you are betting your, uh, your face with two pies and the money that you would spend to charity on the expediency of the federal government. How does that feel?
1: Well, when you put it that way, Josh, (laughs) it's not very
2: good at all. Uh, The combined powers of the federal government and the uh, deadline meeting powers of Elon Um,
0: Musk. (laughs) Famous deadline meters, SpaceX.
1: Well, they get criticized from taking things that are impossible to late.
0: So, yeah, well, but that's uh, but
1: that's. I mean, we're not
0: saying that it's not going to happen. We're saying it may or yeah, may not happen by the end of the yeah, month. But that so that is your situation. I, I'm I up.
1: I will say the last couple administrations have both been pretty proactive about space and the FAA. There's a large number of them that want to make these things happen. Have been pretty good, and we have seen they haven't been throwing. They have to listen to you know criticisms and complaints from other people. It's not just a matter of like I just want to send up all the rockets. And like yeah, like well. You need to have a you know, strategy for this, so I'm uh, I'm I'm optimistic because I think the FAA for the most part is really encouraging about this kind of thing. I think that they they don't want to if they feel like the safety steps are in place and there's been a lot of that, you know. I think they'll they'll do certainly do what they can. So, um, so there's been um, some other cool stuff I want to talk about too is. Uh, like I think China had its first private space company was able to launch a a rocket into space, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I want to double check that because I don't know if they've ever had a, a private space company that's able to do that. So, yep. Uh, space Pioneer has become the first Chinese private launch firm to achieve orbit with a liquid propelled rocket. Pretty cool. Mm. So everything else had been, you know, the, basically the, you know, Chinese government had done that. So yeah, but somebody says quote marks around private. Yeah. Yes. And (laughs) yeah, it it is a sign though that a a private company certainly there has a bit more autonomy than a completely like a more freedom to sort of pursue things that the engineering solutions, not to say they can do whatever they want because there's undoubtedly a member of the CCP sitting on their board of directors, but it is, a, it is a good achievement and worth worth recognizing that. And as we've seen in the past, if you China, type in China, rocket crash comes up a lot. Yeah. And, you know, rocket crashing near school and their F.A. is yes. literally like, ah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> they love those noodles and, and the pork broth. Ah, I don't know, guys. Let's just, go. <laughs> just launch it again. Why don't you just launch it again? That's fine. We'll just tell the kids um, to duck and cover.
3: Is this is this so then m- we've had meaningful competition in the space uh, race?
1: Yeah, China. I think that I, I I think that it's a it absolutely is meaningful because I think that you know it is a we certainly it's nice to be the leaders and to have the leaders you know of this era be in your era. But if we're looking at the real development of space, like actually like building colonies, exploring space and doing this, the, the more capable people who are solving these problems, I think the better, uh, you know, Russia has been, you know, uh, uh, an antagonist to an extent for most of the 20th century and part of the 21st now, and having us compete against each other for space in some ways was very wasteful and, but other ways did get things done that we might never have got done the you know, we. The Russians built really powerful launch systems because they couldn't figure out how to make nuclear weapons that were light. So they just said, okay, we'll just be able to send like school bus, like payloads into orbit. And when we wanted to build things like the International Space Station and not just use the shuttle, there's the Russians with their stuff. So there's a lot of things where other people being involved with them are good. So, and there's other couple companies that are doing, a lot of companies doing some pretty cool stuff. Uh, Relativity Space, they're the ones building the 3D printed rockets. Uh, they weren't able to reach orbit with their most recent attempt, but they were able to get off the launch pad, and get to a pretty high altitude. And so I thought that's kind of cool. Cause it literally 90% of the rocket is 3d printed. Oh, wow. Little nine, Yeah. Like literally even the exteriors, the fuselage, all of this engines, all of this. So they, they show this factories where they are br- building this 3d printed stuff. I think that, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, sometimes you just, buy a sheet of rolled aluminum and, you know, use that. Maybe does everything need to be 3D printed? But I think that by their excessiveness about that, they're going to be in a very interesting situation because what helps SpaceX is they've got that factory and they can radically change the way they build things and what they do. And Rocket Lab, Relativity Space, excuse me, Relativity Space is in a situation where, hey, yeah, I can literally just change this file output in the computer and print this new thing at the rate at which it takes to print it and have a completely updated design and reduce weight, etc.
0: That's amazing. Yeah.
1: You can watch some time-lapse stuff of like watching these things getting made and it's kind of insane because it's literally like a giant, the world's, they built the world's largest 3d printer. And a thing I've heard said about this company, like, Hey, if they fail at rocketry, guess what? They're still the world's largest 3d fabs. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy where they laser weld that stuff in there. It's so powerful. You have to wear these face masks because like you basically fry your eyeballs, but it's, yeah, you look closely and you can see the grooves like that hole. We're looking at a giant cylinder that is entirely made by 3d printing.
3: And it looks, it kind of looks like if you've seen, uh, I know this was in the news recently, those 3d printed homes out of the concrete mixture that they do. um, mm-hmm. It, it looks like it's layered. It's not. It, it doesn't even look like the I don't know, the higher-end 3D printing where it kind of comes out really smooth already. It looks like layer
1: mm-hmm. by layer by layer by layer of little bit yeah. of... Yeah. In that video, they go in and they show you how they can then go polish it and get a nice finish on it And if for parts that they need to, if for parts they don't. So it's interesting. And then Rocket Lab USA, they're another one. They're pretty interesting. I think they've had... Uh, what was the last Rocket Lab launch? Um, they've been reaching orbit they've been putting stuff up there so they've got you know um they're working on returning their boosters now they've got their next generation the terran uh which one is rocket lab building are they all these companies are building their own reusable rockets
3: that's wild rocket lab is the electron rocket
1: i believe
2: so uh, reusable. Uh, I, I, I don't remember outside of Blue Origin and SpaceX ever seeing a rocket land vertically. Um, maybe, maybe I missed some.
1: Nobody. I mean, uh, you mean landing on a runway? Uh, oh, wait, what's saying that? Oh, right. Upright.
2: I, I mean, either way, like, like when you say reusable, um, uh, uh, what, what yeah, other ways the- besides landing uh, on a launch pad are there?
1: About uh, landing on a runway, like the space shuttle, you talking about upper or lower stage?
2: Uh, well, well, I don't know. I, 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 I'm seeking to understand, when, when
1: you say reusable rocket, uh, uh, how much reusable? Well, yeah, it depends. so like SpaceX, like, you know, SpaceX, the lower stage is reusable, right? The first reusable lower stage. Um, they'd say, oh, the shuttle is reusable, other than the tanks they threw away, the one that went in the ocean that wasn't really reusable. Um, actually, they were able to reuse, I think, part of the thing. But anyhow, I digress. But um they're trying to work on their own, like a like what Starship would be. Upper and lower stage would both be reusable. And if you go to Rocket Lab and you click on Neutron, we've talked about this before. That's the the very stubby kind of rocket, where they're basically putting a lot more of the kind of I think the capabilities into you know I think the first stage or whatever I'm trying to remember like their their strategy it's a little bit different than that but you can see that so the idea is both stages would come back um Mm. and they do have like an upper stage like they have a launcher that that like will then may not be reusable so interesting I guess
3: wow wow. anyhow it's it's interesting that like reusability has kind of almost walked away from this conversation like it's we, we've just kind of accepted like hey whatever we do we're gonna need to reuse these things like it's really fascinating that we've that that trend has taken root as a default a seeming like a default right whatever we make whatever rockets whether you're a spacex or a rocket lab reusability is the name of the game actually
1: well and in the, in the business case i think for that was there were there were people like tory bruno ula uh, other people were arguing like oh it, there's not really much utility they the total amount of mo- the total business the economy for like launch like 20 years ago was like 4 billion dollars a year that was the amount of money that was spent to put things into orbit and if you said oh i'm going to try to build a reusable rocket they'd be like why the margins just don't make sense and when elon announced we're going to build a reusable rockets so they're like there's just not that much launch capacity what are you trying well, who needs that much launch capacity i don't know starlink <laughs> and so you know he had all this excess launch capacity and then people like Who needs it and he's like well i think people could use better internet and so you look at all these missions you see that we see in these weekly missions the majority of them are starlink and they're putting up their own you know those you know satellites up into orbit and i think that really sort of made the case like oh yeah there's a really good business case if you just if you if you imagine that you lower the cost enough that it becomes cheap enough to do that you're going to have way more people wanting to go into space which is basic economics but that just sometimes eludes people you know in the designing or planning in those industries Hmm. Wild. Take me to space. So, if, Calgon, just think how quickly, take me to space. <laughs> take
3: me to if space. It lurks,
1: if it launches next week, just think how quickly we're just going to have adapted to that new reality of, like, well, yeah, of course, you know, reusable rockets. Well, uh, more importantly, if it
2: doesn't launch in the next two and a half weeks, think how quickly those pies are going to hit your face. wow.
1: <laughs> oh. pop, pop. <laughs> <laughs> And Brian, I don't know why. Why you hate space? Oh, oh, oh no! Hey, stop dreaming, I, I, I he stopped dreaming,
3: folks. He loves charity. He loves being he loves awake. Charity. He loves being lucid. He hates dreaming. He hates it. <laughs> hates it. You all want to do some picks? So, we
1: we got one story. What do oh. you from uh, a a uh, one of our members, Bryce? Do you want to do this?
3: Uh Yes. Let me make sure I've got it here. So this is from uh, RJ. Is that right? The the one you're t- you're leading up yep, to. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, so, <laughs> I got something for you. Um, uh, I need some help. 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 I need some help. Um, we have found uh, a gold mine miner found something. I'm gonna tell you that a gold miner found something. But immediately, what do you think it is? Gold. <laughs> okay. I uh, should. I walked right into that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to see if I can find out how big this thing is. <laughs> uh, I'll say that this item is uh, estimated to be 30,000 years old. Hmm. It might be the, the size of a large grapefruit.
2: Oh, a gold miner found something 30,000 years old. So
3: pre- pre-written history. Um, a business insider describes it as perfectly preserved.
2: What's the size of a grapefruit?
0: I mean, probably like a is some it, kind of is it, is body it, part or a skull or like some kind of bones or something.
3: Is it a goiter? Is, is it, it it's the the size a goiters? Did tangerine? he find a goiter? I'm gonna say you're in the right ballpark. Yeah, you're in the I right think ballpark. it's some kind of remains. A, t- a tumor. The remains. Uh, they X-rayed this item. I can tell you that, mm-hmm. which was very helpful to, de- to determining what it was.
1: <laughs> um. I don't know. I'm kind of looking at that photo oh, no, and going, "Yep, yeah, yep." Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, right, so I sent you an original photo too. Ah, uh, uh,
2: okay. Uh, okay. So, uh, it sounds like we're in the ballpark with some kind of uh, body. <laughs>
3: park. It looks exactly like that. Andrew, you're right. Sorry. Uh, so yeah, you're in the, you're in the ballpark. Is, is it, uh, I,
2: I'm going to say, I'm going to say a cyst, a cyst, Yes. a grapefruit size cyst yep. on That's what? what? Like just floating around a body. Well, the body would be the headline, not the cyst. I don't know, man. Seems like a lot of bodies have been found by a lot of gold miners. Mm-hmm. A lot of gold miners became bodies. Very few cysts the
3: size of a grapefruit. <laughs> oh, that's the helicopter. Oh, the helicopter is uh, the helicopter's bringing us the photo of the, of the item. Would you like to see it now? I would, yes. yeah. Here we go. It's, uh, we've got oh, on good the Lord. Uh, What are you oh, seeing? Oh, my God. Is that a hairball? There is, in fact, hair on this item. Yes, this has to be one of those crazy tumors where just
2: everything grows in there. Like there's teeth and parts of brains and a kneecap. I think and you, all that you keep stuff.
0: being you keep you keep being obsessed with the idea that it is a tumor or a cyst.
2: Yep, I, I, I remain so.
0: I I think that it's like a skull or an egg or something like that.
3: Well, uh, you're all. Kind of right. Okay, this is a thirty thousand year old squirrel. What? It's Uh, just a whole squirrel. Yeah, that's right. Uh, This was. This ain't this ain't like the head of it. This is just a squirrel. It's a whole squirrel skeleton, a thirty thousand year old mummified ground squirrel from the Ice Age. It was found in the Klondike gold fields uh, back in twenty eighteen. Damn! So it's like that one from the from the movies. It is indeed. Exactly like the Ice Age. Yeah. That's, yes. that's
0: that dude. <laughs> that's, that's like a Crack. That that's exactly that, like that. That dude. Wow. Dude, shout out to Blue Sky, man. They they uh-huh. hit it out of the park, as it turns out. That's a documentary. Ice Age Drip. Ray, Ray Romano is a, a
3: canonical part of our natural history now. <laughs> uh miners have also found a mummified wolf pup. Uh, in the past, let me see if I can pull that up for you. Where is it? Where, 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 where are they mining? Uh, this is in uh, the, the Klondike, I believe. Let me see if I can find the right. Uh, the Klondike gold fields of the Yukon, uh, perma, uh, permafrost. Known
1: for its ice cream sandwich factory.
3: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, this is another one. This is a wolf pup, um, a mummy of a wolf pup, also found in that similar area, seemingly well preserved uh, for being thirty thousand years old. That's insane, and so so they keep finding
0: these perfectly preserved, frozen, dead animals, huh?
2: I mean, they've they, they've definitely been in 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 the freezer
3: yeah. the entire time, yeah, yeah, uh, this- right,
2: right spot for it, nice and dry, mm-hmm. frozen.
3: Uh, Business Insider reports, discoveries like these are likely to become more common as global temperatures continue to rise due to human emissions of heat-trapping gases like carbon dioxide and methane. That's causing the permafrost to thaw, revealing everything from mummified creatures to viruses and anthrax deposits. Oops.
0: Anthrax deposits.
3: Yeah. Sorry, I left my anthrax here. Sorry, sorry guys. I forgot yeah. my anthrax with the with the hunt.
1: Yeah, it's like a rando. Like, we could have anthrax. or Yeah. Could You could have, like, a bunch of fresh strawberries, too, just waiting to oh, just have a river of them. Why don't we get news stories like that?
3: 30,000-year-old strawberry found. Tastes delicious. Yeah, delish, says scientists. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. That's amazing. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, watch out for squirrels if you're out there on the permafrost. Are there only Yukon. Yeah. yeah, thank you to RJ for that, uh, for that article. That's thank great. Thank you very much. All right, picks. I took... <clears throat>
0: A trip last night to the land down under on an airline called VPN. <laughs> <laughs> and it was there that I watched the first two episodes of the Australian broadcasting company's comedy, auntie Donna's coffee cafe. If you enjoyed auntie Donna's Netflix show, big old house of fun, you will also enjoy Auntie Donna's Coffee Cafe. It is very much their style. Uh, I I very much had a good time watching it. I can't wait to get through the other six episodes. Uh, but they they are as sharp as ever. Uh, there are some really 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 funny jokes. They, it, it, I would say the only thing that's kind of different is that like you, I thought that it was going to be a little bit more sitcommy because they have described it as being a little bit more sitcommy. And I guess on some level, it's a little bit more sitcom-y in that there is a conflict that is introduced in the first scene that then is resolved in the last scene, but everything else is exactly the way that you would expect an Auntie Donna way to execute on that problem there is there is no element for which uh, uh they will not take the most bizarre path uh to to find it. so uh, I would suggest that you too take a instantaneous flight down to uh, uh,
1: wherever Australia. my VPN was emanating I, from. When I did my Discovery Channel special and I went to Australia and I opened up my Netflix, my eyes just went like, what? Because like so many shows that run other streaming platforms elsewhere were on there. Yeah. And like Star Trek Discovery, that was all there. All the episodes, everything like that. So, um uh, yeah, yeah. Travel to other countries and see what's yeah, available for- yeah. You know,
0: look, it's a, uh, it's, it's I uh, I don't know. They, they say that they're working on an international distribution thing. I wouldn't be shocked if you, if you did it. But uh, there are a few more Australian specific references in this than uh, than than big old house of fun, including a. I guess there's a show called Rake there. Mm -hmm. about a lawyer who's a bit of a charismatic badass and uh i won't set up or ruin the the setup but uh there is a trial that breaks out in the middle of one of the episodes and uh the actor from the show rake comes in and just announces i'm rake (laughs) and it is then pointed out that that's not his character's name and he was played by an actor and he's like yes that's all true but I'm Rake. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's me. Hey, oh, you know, yeah. And like, like, it's it, in it, Succession. Yeah, yeah. God God it, God. It, it would it's be like, wait, are you supposed to be Logan Roy? Uh, no, I'm Succession. Yeah, God it's God. like, it's like, I'm if, Succession. If, if,
0: if Harry Anderson walked in and said, "Don't worry, guys, I'm Night Court." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do
1: you know there's the American version? Yeah, they made an American version of the show with Greg Kinnear. Wow.
3: Wow. Uh wow! In 2013.
0: Uh, so there we go. Big. Uh, uh sorry, no. Coffee cafe. <laughs> sorry.
3: Auntie Donna's coffee cafe. It's
1: me. Night writer. <laughs>
3: um, I've got a pick. This is a fun one. Uh, uh, over on on the Modern Rogue channel yesterday, we had a new video come out. A fun time learning about uh math rock, hardcore math rock with our friends the Dow Boys. Who are uh, an incredible math rock band, and uh, Brant put together this fantastic video about it. Um, And it's a lot of learning. Like, what are time? It's mostly what are time signatures, Um, and a little bit of testing. And you hear some of their music, and you get to follow the beats as they change all these time signatures. It's it's really fun. It's a really fun watch. Um, And uh, Carson with his hype beast bag. What is this guy doing? Yeah, that was great. No, we, uh, we he asked if he should keep it on, and we told him yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's over on the Modern Rogue channel. Please uh, check it out. It's uh, a good time. There uh, you go. Uh, I, have, I have a pick that's incoming.
2: Cool. Uh, I, I got to have a cool conversation with um, uh, 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 Daniel Simons, uh, author or co-author of the book, The Invisible Gorilla. Remember that experiment? Yeah,
3: uh, I don't.
2: Uh, oh, uh, well, the task that you're given is to count the number of times the basketball moves between black shirted people and white shirted people. Mm. And what nobody notices is a person dressed as a gorilla walking across. Uh, so, uh, as that book was about uh, the pockets of inattention that we have, his new book, coming out, uh, I believe, uh, in just over a month, is called Nobody's Fool. And it's about. Uh, it's your
3: autobiography.
2: Uh, it, it's, it's about the red flags that you can keep an eye out for to let you know when you're intentionally being deceived oh. these Ooh. are the way uh, which which I, I think this is going to be a very good book uh we talked about uh, I, I need to read the full thing but uh, having a conversation with him and reading the parts that i read it's very good i can't wait for the audiobook version to come out um uh, it looks very good
1: nice uh, my yeah. my attention span is very different than other people, and there are things that other people pick up on that I will not be aware of that I'll be completely like did not know that, did not see it. The fight club, I was in denial, like, no, they can't be the same person no and and then reluctantly accepted that that was true sixth sense I'm like wait we we all knew he was a ghost, right like that was like because he got shot by you know <laughs> one of the new kids um but uh the gorilla one was funny because that I remember like Michael Shermer, I think showed that at. Or Richard Wiseman, maybe it was Richard Wiseman, showed it at a big skeptics convention. I,
2: I believe it was Tam two thousand three. I believe I was yeah. there,
1: but but none of us ever met. Yeah, um, I I love monkeys. I love apes. So the moment the gorilla appears, I'm like delighted and teetering and stuff, and then then looking around like why isn't everybody else amused? But there's a monkey <laughs> in the video, and then and then I realize I said, and all of I. I'm overfitted to just sit around and wait for monkeys to show up. <laughs> I won't notice the shirt changing, the background changing. There's going to be a that monkey. other stuff. <laughs> the, the monkey appears. Yes, I will. A zebra could have walked across. Wouldn't have noticed. Wouldn't have noticed. Monkey, I was going to say, that's a big befo- yeah, mon- follow-up. <laughs> yeah, monkey, yes. You know? <laughs> so. There we go. Uh, two picks. Um, one is uh, uh, it's really getting hard to find really good film criticism and i like stuff that's kind of a bit more cerebral and i think i found the channel that really appeals to me because it kind of goes a little more in depth and stuff um a little more nuance it's called uh space ice on youtube and i think if you take a look at some of these things you'll get an example of the kind of again it's a little highbrow i I don't want to like be a snob if i talk about this but uh, Bryce, if you want to pull that up and take a look at some of the content and stuff. I apologize if it's over your head, you know, Justin or Brian. Uh, <laughs> so here's the most
3: recent one. Stallone's Cliffhanger is so good, it almost makes Mountain Climbers bearable. Best movie ever. Nicolas Cage's Mandy is so good, you'll give him your soul forever. Interesting. Well, then there's then, worst th- movies ever. Oh, yeah. Steven Seagal's Flight of Fury is so bad,
1: it killed Santa Claus. Oops. <laughs> this, this They review, like, action movies, and boy do they hate steven seagal yeah. <laughs> Man, they, and they will have like these cuts of like steven seagal doing like entire fight scenes sitting in a chair where he just won't get up <laughs> and they show this repeated thing over and over about this and it just you know but they like steven seagal they'll compare him there's a guy named neil breen who makes movies in vegas and like who's worst it is it is uh it is hilarious it is a very very funny channel and then and they will explain things like uh you know, like like, what are the best movies? Like, you know, uh, Total Recall is a great movie. It's like the best movie ever. And you know, it just it just gets in there. Like, they love Jean Claude Van Damme, and they'll compare him to Steven Seagal. It's just it's either the best movie ever or the worst movie ever. That's that's their that's rating. Their it's grub. fully binary. Um, yeah.
0: Who who was the agent or studio exec? I think it was Ovitz, who Seagal was his personal trainer. And it was yeah. like at the height of him being like the King of Hollywood that he's like, how powerful am I? You will be an action star. And that yeah. is why Steven Seagal is Steven Seagal was that Mike Ovitz was that powerful in that moment that he just minted
1: him. An That's action amazing. Career. Having, having Steven Seagal as your personal trainer is a lot like having Shaquille O'Neal as your diet coach. <laughs> he made it sort of, oh i think he like now think about think this through folks yeah think this through so uh um space ice uh, the space other ice. thing i would say is i, I want to want something we we didn't talk about which i a, a bit uh go take a look at the works of harry lorraine harry lorraine passed away i believe friday harry lorraine was a memory expert Uh, Harry Lorraine was a magician, extremely prolific author, and his books on memory helped many, many, many people. I was at a party yesterday and, you know, was able to take some of the stuff I learned from, you know, Harry's stuff and use it to remember everybody's name, you know, and just just remember everybody's name. Because I was talking about Harry Lorraine and I'm like, oh, I should probably remember everybody's name here because it's, you know, how how much service, what am I doing to his legacy if I just ignored that stuff? So um, kind of an amazing figure. 1926, man. That's that's a long yeah. time, dude. Yeah. Beast. Yeah. Oh, wow. You what, that was the same year. Harry Houdini died. Wow. Wow. So. And you remember that. Shout him. <laughs> so shout out to Harry Lorraine. <laughs> thank you, Harry. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. His his his. You see what they describe him as on his bio. Uh, the
3: world's foremo- foremost memory training specialist. The Yoda of memory training. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. So, anyhow. RIP, Harry. Thank you for everything. Um, and it's magic. There's like, I've got some stuff that I picked up from his books that I still use that are really cool things. So. Gentlemen, it's been weird. <laughs> Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>